Hello, and hola, everyone. Welcome to Figuring It Out Podcast. My name is Albert Phil, but my friends call me Albert or Albie. This is the podcast where I share everything I know and everything I don't know. Today, I have a very special guest. It is my colleague and friend, Nicole Avazian. Hello, Nicole. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on today. We're just sitting in my apartment recording. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing construction next door. Um, Classic New York things. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, about your background, you can probably tell by now. Today's title, the episode is all about growing up multicultural and what that means to us growing up uh, with a very cultural background here in the United States. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, what your background is. Yeah, so um, I am Nicole, as you said already. And so I am um, Mexican-Armenian, actually. So I was born in Mexico City. Um, my mom is Mexican. My dad is Armenian, but like from the United States, like basically a white guy. <laughs> all good, all good. Yeah, like third generation Armenian. So um, yeah, I was born in Mexico City, but moved to the United States literally when I was like four or five months old. So as much as I, you know, um, can say I was born there, I can't really say I've like lived in Mexico. Um, I've lived in Miami, born and raised in Miami, Florida my whole life. And, um, you know, Being raised in Miami, I was raised um, speaking Spanish at home and then English at school. So I was raised speaking both languages. And yeah, I mean, um, grew up in Miami, uh, visit Mexico often um, every summer. My family's still out there. And then um, went to Boston for school, studied journalism at BU, Royal Terriers. and then um, I lived in LA for a little bit after graduating, and now I'm here in New York, where you and I met. And yes, we met online, actually. <laughs> we did. We, we we've known each other since I was in LA, um, but now we're we're both working from the New York office. We both work. Um, Are we allowed to say the company? I don't know. I don't like sponsoring this. No, I don't want to get in trouble. We, but won't, we won't say where we work. We work in a Spanish language media company that is not Schmelishmundo. There you go. <laughs> Um, and so, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's cool that we get to work, um, at a company in an environment where we're kind of interacting with our culture every day, but that's basically how you and I know each other. And I guess that's, that's my background. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I really wanted to have you on this episode specifically because you do have such a unique background of growing up Mexican and Armenian, um, and also growing up in Miami. So you and I have like completely different experiences as people, you know, Latino Americans in this country or being of multiple backgrounds. I think, you know, something that I always joke around with people is like when people ask, oh, what's your, where are you from? Or what's your background? Personally, I never get offended by that question because I'm always proud to share that. I never get offended when someone's like, oh, like, but where are you from? Even though I was born here, it's like, okay, we'll sit down for a second because it's a long story. It's like my mom was born in Brazil, her dad was born in Portugal, and they used to immigrate back and forth before they came here. And then my dad was born here, but his parents came here right after the Cuban Revolution. So I forget my dad's not an immigrant, but like he's not an immigrant. So it's like this whole like long story, kind of like you're saying of like, yeah, I was born in Mexico, but I left when I was five months old, but I go back all the time. My dad's Armenian, but he was born here. So he's like technically just an American, but he's not, he like knows Armenian culture. So I definitely relate to that. But I think my first question that I like want to talk on, because I think like for me, 
when people ask, like, I actually had a friend ask me recently, like, but who are you? Like, do you think that your ethnicity or being like first gen or second gen, however, I, I don't even know how to label myself. Cause it's like, well, if I go on my mom's side, I'm first gen, but by my dad's side, I'm second gen. So like, to me, someone asked me like, do you ident- make that as part of your identity? And for me, I honestly think I do because for me, like being first gen or second gen is, it's just instills those values in me of like, Family, I think, is a huge one, but also hard work. Like growing up, my parents, they never let us forget where we came from. It was always like, oh my gosh, you don't know. If your cousins in Cuba saw what you had for dinner tonight, oh, if your cousins in Brazil had to hear you complain about all the homework you got, that you got to go to a great high school and get a great, like all the time. And so I feel like for me, that really instilled a lot of my essential and core values that it does make up a part of who I am for me, at least. I don't know if you feel differently, if you feel the same way. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I mean, I think, you know, so my mom was born in Mexico and she moved to the States when she married my dad. She came to the United States, basically speaking very, very little English. Um, Even though that, and like technically we're as born in Mexico, so technically I'm an immigrant myself, but I would maybe categorize me more as like a first gen. I didn't, I don't associate myself so much with that first gen, second gen narrative for some reason. I just really identify as a Latina. Mm. Yeah. Do you think though, okay, question now because we're going to get into it. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Do you almost feel like is, yeah, my mom is Brazilian, my dad's Cuban. So that's like where the Latino comes from. But then I almost feel like when I don't claim like the Portuguese ancestry, like I'm like turning my back on Portugal because I still grew up like I really think I grew up all three looking back at my childhood yeah I probably did grow up Cuban more than anything Mm -hmm. but like I still feel so Brazilian and so Portuguese but like when I feel like when I like check off the like Latino box I'm like am I just like neglecting my Portuguese heritage like do you feel like you do that when you like you know, with your Armenian heritage, because Armenia is in the, it's considered the Middle East. Yeah. So that's a really interesting question. And I think I I do feel a lot of times like I have, I don't want to say neglected my Armenian heritage, but I do identify way more as Latina culturally, um, even though I guess like if I were to do a 23 and me, I'm actually way more Armenian than I am Mexican. I'm probably not actually even that Mexican because my grandparents um, were from Europe. So like my grandfather was from Spain and my grandmother right. was from France. So it's weird because really like um, DNA wise, I'm very Armenian, but I didn't grow up engaging with the Armenian culture because in Miami, A, there's like no Armenian people. B, my mom being straight from Mexico and living in Miami, the Latino thing was just way more present. So I do sometimes feel a little bit bad that I, you know, my last name is an Armenian last name. Like when people look at my name and if they know like Armenia, they're like, oh, you're very obviously Armenian. When people look at me physically, I get Middle Eastern and Armenian a lot. And so I do relate to you there. I read it though. Like I do sometimes feel a little bit bad that I'm not, you know, I don't claim the Armenian thing. I've definitely learned to claim it more now that, you know, I was telling you that I lived in LA. That was really helpful to be with my Armenian family over there and like with all the other Armenians and really claiming it. So, um, but yeah, I definitely relate to that feeling of kind of feeling a little bit bad. Yeah. 
Oh, I love what you said about the 23andMe thing. Cause I actually did a 23andMe test just cause I was curious. I was curious to see if there was anything, you know, sporadic and un- <laughs> unbeknownst <laughs> to me that would pop up. And I mean, it pretty much came up with everything I figured. Like it was, it, I mean, there's no such thing as like, it can't label like Colombian right. on the chart because there's no such thing as being like Colombian. Like any, well, I mean, there is, but it's like, because Latino people are a mix of Spanish, indigenous, and black, even if it's like the smallest percent. So like, but what I thought was really cool is that, yes, obviously, like you could probably tell by my skin color, like most of my ancestry is from Spain and Portugal. But I mean, it was really interesting to see I had like a lot of North African ancestry, which is like the Moors, which makes sense because all Latinos are Arabic as well. Yes. And then like, Western Africa, which makes sense because Brazil and Cuba both had like really high slave populations. And then when the Haitian revolution happened, a bunch of Haitians like fled to Cuba, but it was able to like label like based off of your DNA and how it compares to other people's, it was able to narrow down that like my ancestry was probably from Cuba and Brazil, which I thought was so crazy and bizarre. Uh, but no, there was nothing like crazy, crazy, like Italian or something. Yeah. But it's really funny that you talk about being from Miami and growing up around like a lot of other Latinos because, and I, I think you and I have very different experiences in this regard where like where my family is like originally from, like Harrison, New Jersey, East Newark, New Jersey, it's like back then it was like high Cuban population, high, I mean, it's still very high Portuguese and Brazilian population as well. But then we moved to like the suburbs and I mean like suburban, like no shade, but like old money. Someone once asked my mom why she worked and why her parents weren't paying for her kid's education. Oh, And my mom was like, my parents work in a factory. Like what? Yeah. what? Like my parents were like, they were, th- they were shook to say yeah. the least. Um, That's a culture shock for sure. Yeah. And like, it's funny because when I was, we were watching old home videos and like when I was a little kid, nothing was in English. No one spoke to me in English. Like my dad would talk to me in Spanish. My mom would talk to me in Portuguese. And like my dad's side always only talked to me in Spanish because I was the first grandson on that side. Yeah. Which was, which was really interesting because then once my brother was born, everything like shifted to English just because like it was hard to enforce because my parents were always talking to each other in English. But like, because of that, obviously like being multilingual is super helpful. And I'm so glad my parents really forced us to speak Spanish. Even my mom, like, even though she's, you know, her first language was Portuguese, she wanted us to speak Spanish because there's just so many more, so much more use for Spanish. And like, I use Spanish every day, but like, I think going, once I started going to school, like in a, in that kind of environment where it's like kids who've probably like come from more of, and I'm not going to sit here and act like I didn't grow up with like financial privilege because I did. Like my parents worked really hard to get to be where they are and like give me and my brothers this like amazing life. But it was definitely a little weird because growing up in my brain, like everyone had an abuela and like everyone had an abuela that there was like a language barrier with. And like, sometimes you didn't understand each other. And I mean, I think part of that is like, we grew up with like Dora. We're the generation of like Dora and like, what was her name on Sesame Street? The Muppet, Rosa. Was there a sp- Rosita was her name. Was she pink? Yeah. She, no, 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 she was blue. We had uh, Ros- we go- <laughs> Rosita, I, I think it was Rosita. I didn't watch Sesame Street. Oh no, she was my girl. I was, I was Dora. 
hardcore. Right. But like I grew up watching that and then going to school and like thinking everyone had an abuela and everyone was going to school, like would go home and like talk Spanish to their grandma and then being like, oh, no, I'm the only one. I'm the only one who has that. Uh, just because I didn't really grow up, you know, Miami's huge Latino population. I didn't really grow up with a lot of Latinos. Like there were some, I mean, I think there was like a couple of Cuban kids, but I mean, I remember in high school, we like looked up the statistic of the amount of Hispanics and Latinos in the high school and of like a thousand student, a thousand students or just about a thousand. There was, I think, 75 Okay. Hispanic and Latin kids, wow. <laughs> which, and my brother were two of them. So yeah. 73. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. I think for me, it's crazy that you say that. Cause you're like, Oh, it was weird to me that other people didn't have like an abuelo and abuela. And for me, it was kind of a very different experience. As you said, growing up in Miami, again, disclaimer, I went to a very chichi private school in Miami. So, you know, let's just start there. Um, so I'm very fortunate as well to have grown up, you know, privileged. My parents, again, my dad, like, is American. Right. My mom, you know, has a very, very, like, great career and stuff. So anyway, I grew up where everyone had an abuela and everyone spoke Spanish right. with their grandparents. And um, I would say... Out of my super close friends, I have one really close friend who isn't of some sort of Latina background. And she, I feel like almost she felt like the odd one out because she didn't have an abuela. That's so interesting. Yeah. It's like we would all talk in Spanish and like, um, you know, everyone at least had some degree of, of like being able to speak Spanish. And she comes from... Um, like a Lebanese and British background, which is like the coolest mix ever. Um, and so me and her are like... Armenian Lebanese like very tight oh fun yeah but you know she was like one of the only people in my life that didn't have Latino background and everyone in my school Miami basically like it's a lot of very very wealthy Latinos that moved to Miami and a lot of I mean you get everything in Miami but I think with the people that I was surrounded with I went to a school with a lot of wealthy kids and a lot of really wealthy Latin American kids so people who had houses in Casa de Campo people mm -hmm. who owned entire Latin American countries I'm like not even kidding like, what yes like, like they own Latin American countries there's a joke and like Jose Maduro's son went something <laughs> like that like, like there's a girl in my class who her dad ran for the president of Ecuador what like stuff like that so I grew up with a very different, like, like mix of Latino, like, I guess a, maybe a crowd where like, it was almost like I was one of the, my family was one of the less wealthy families at my wow. school, but we were all Latinos for the most part. That's so interesting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So there's a lot of people, Latinos from money that I grew up around. And so they all had they all went back to the, they had houses in the DR. They had, they would go back all the time or their, they, you know, would fly their grandparents back and forth. And, and they had these huge Latino families and like, whatever, like they, I guess maybe what I'm trying to say is like the people I grew up with, they had the money to like, you know, travel yeah. back and forth a lot. So like, like it's not the traditional, like, I think that people 
outside the Latino community are finally starting to understand that Latinos are not a monolith. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like your experience maybe wasn't the traditional, what the media would convey is like the traditional experience because you were like of the upper echelon of Latinos. And feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's fine. Literally, like, again, (laughs) like, full just like, we're talking candidly, full disclaimer. Like, I did grow up very privileged. I did grow up, you know, at this whatever she she private school in Miami I grew up you know in the middle of Miami like in like Brickell which is like a night a very nice part of Miami um you know I did live in Little Havana for a little bit so I was I was in with the Cubans for a while which (laughs) which is awesome honestly going back to what I was just saying before about like growing up in like you know well-off suburban area my parents today will tell us that like our biggest fear was you guys were going to become entitled privileged like kids who didn't want to speak Spanish, who forgot about, you know, where they came from and like forgot that like their grandfather had to work three jobs, seven days a week, just to like, just to like pay bills, not even to do well, just to like pay bills. Yeah, You know what I mean? And so I think like for me, like remembering where I come from is like how I hold on to that and like not, not falling into like this, in a sense of entitlement, if that makes sense. Um, but it's like, I remember when I was applying for college and I'm kind of all over the place right now, but I remember when I was applying for college and like, you know, when they ask you like ethnicity or whatever, I remember I just had to check off Latino and then pick the countries that I was from and that was it. And I didn't have to put a race. And then my brother applied the next year and he was like, hey, what did you put for your race? I was like Latino and he was like, yeah, they made me put that for my ethnicity, but what'd you yeah, put you for your race? Yeah, you gotta check the box. Yeah. And then I was like, no, you don't. And he was like, no, I do. It's like not letting me move on without yeah. picking a race. And I was like, well, I mean, I would put white, like yeah. we're white Latinos. And he was like, well, I don't want them to think I'm just like conveniently putting Latino. Like I want them to know, like I grew up like around culture and I grew up like with Spanish in my house and everything. And I was like, I mean, you can't control what the person on the other end is interpreting that as. Cause yeah. like, you know, and I know that sounds like such like a basic, like, you know, I don't want to sound like a, you know, privileged complaint or like, Oh, like they're going to think that like I didn't grow up with culture, but I think it's a <laughs> sense of like, I think it's a sense of like, sometimes I almost feel like I have to prove that I've in the past felt like I've had to prove like, I'm Latino enough. Yeah. And like, especially when I went to college, like a lot of my friends were Puerto Rican and Dominican. And this is kind of messed up, but not a lot of them spoke good Spanish. So when I would hang out with them, it was almost like, well, because I speak the best Spanish, I'm enough to hang out with this group, which is like really stupid. Yeah. But like, it was like my own insecurity. And it always felt like I had to be like, no, but because I speak Spanish, like I'm allowed to be in this group, even though I'm super white. Right. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And like, it is, you know, can be a little bit of like a, I don't know, taboo or uncomfortable topic, but I'm glad that we're talking about it because it's relevant, I think. And you know, I'm like so carefully choosing my words because I don't want people to think I'm like saying that like we have the issues because we don't. I literally, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we've made it clear like I'm also white, um, you know, but it's weird for me because um, I was literally born in Mexico, you know, so right. it's, and I, and it's, Going back to how I grew up, I grew up a lot around a lot of white Latinos, so that was normal for me. Like all my friends, we they look like me, and we all break out in perfect Spanish. Mm-hmm. When I left Miami, was for me when I had that weird culture dilemma, because 
people didn't believe that I was Hispanic. And especially in LA, I got this a lot. LA has a huge Mexican population. And when I speak Spanish, I have a pretty Mexican accent. Right. And, you know, I, if I hear people speaking Spanish, I like to talk in Spanish because right. it's fun. We'll get into that. Yeah. Yes. I like to, I like to talk in Spanish with other people who speak Spanish and it's not like a, Oh, like, you know, like, Oh, the waiter looks Mexican. I'm going to say, Hola. Like, that's not it because right. I'm like, these people are, we're from the same place. And like, I like talking in Spanish when I hear people speaking in Spanish, it doesn't matter who it is. So I would get to LA and as you're saying, a, a lot of people in LA, a lot of Mexicans in LA, they don't speak Spanish or right. good Spanish. Um, and so they looked at me and they're like, whoa, literally a guy told me once, like, how did you learn Spanish? You're a white girl. I know. They're like, it is when I would eat that. I understand. <laughs> like, what the heck? And I'm like, like, did you have a nanny? Like, yeah, her name was Abuela and she spoke no English. So I had no choice. <laughs> you know, but like, that doesn't mean that I'm any less Hispanic than you. It just means that I come from a different place. And so that's something that in LA, I, you know, struggled, not struggled with, but I was just like, damn, like, it's so different from Miami. Like, people would look at me crazy when I start talking in Spanish. And a lot of times I knew that they spoke Spanish. They replied to me in English. And I'm just like, no, no, no. But like, I, I'm trying to relate to you. Yeah. Like, I, like, I, we're this, like, we are from the same place. Like, let's, let's connect. And they, they would reject that connection because they didn't look like them. And that's not their fault or my fault. It's just kind of like interesting. I think it's like a bias thing. Yeah. What I found, like, I remember in college, <laughs> I had a professor and she was so cool. She was an immigrant from Trinidad and Tobago. And she gave this whole speech of like, you know, bias and like being patient with people's bias. And she was talking about her experience as like a black woman in this country and like having an accent, like being an immigrant. And she would like, get, she gave this whole beautiful speech. And then at the end of the class, she's handing back papers and she goes, Alberto, Alberto, and she's like waving to this kid and she's like trying to get his attention like with my paper. And he was like, you know, I guess what the media would consider like more Hispanic looking. Like he's very obviously like Puerto Rican or Dominican. Yeah. Like, dark <laughs> complexion. And he goes, my name is William. <laughs> and she like checked herself and she goes, you see, like I just tried to like educate you guys and give you this whole speech. And like, I am still part of the problem. And I was like, yeah, I'm out there. Yeah. Like, like the tall white guy in the yeah. back. Like, that's me. I'm like, that's me. Which like also, uh, like I had someone say like, did you really check Latin and Hispanic on your college application? And I was like, yes. And they're like, yeah, but that's not what it means. And I was like, well, what, what does it mean? Yeah. What does it mean? What? There's, there's black Latinos. Yeah. Like, there's Asian Latinos. Yeah. There's no one talks about the fact that there's literally in Havana, like, in Havana, Cuba, there is a Chinatown. That's wild. Because there was Chinese. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think they were brought to like be like, you know, okay. laborers. Not so awesome. Not so awesome. <laughs> yeah, not awesome, but they were brought to be laborers. But then they like generated all this wealth, built Chinatown, and yeah. like got their own businesses. And then when the revolution came, because they all had the Chinese population essentially had their own businesses, they were like, fuck this, bye, and left. Um, but even in Peru, there's a huge Asian population. Costa Rica, there's a huge Asian population. I think in Chile as well. So it's like, never assume. Yeah. Because literally I met someone and she was like, I went to meet my boyfriend's abuela and I was so confused because she was Asian. And she like spoke fluent Spanish. Yeah. I mean, like you, like Latinos come in all colors, shapes, sizes, like, and that's something that I think is talked about more now and people are starting to recognize more. And we talk a lot about at work. It's like Latinos are not just one thing. Mm -hmm. We are 
we look different. We come from different places. We have different cultural backgrounds. So we're definitely not just a block. There's a lot of right. intricacies and it's. I think also so interesting too, is like, I was just saying like, when you have to check the boxes, I remember. So my brother then had to pick his race when I was applying for jobs last year, once I checked that I was Hispanic or Latin, it wouldn't even let me put a race. I don't know if you found that lately, but it's like, wait, so first you wanted us to not say our race. Then you wanted us to specify a race. And now you don't want us to specify a race. So I think it's just like this confusing, like, how, where do we fit into this? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Cause like, it's also, I, I, yeah, it's just so confusing. And I just think sometimes people don't really know what to do with like, I think just the Latino population in general, because like even my Afro Latino friends are like, they they'll say like, it's just like not fair. It's like, they're excluded from so many narratives and like they're left out of the conversation. And it's, it's just like such a confusing thing to navigate. Yeah. I think, I think what's, you know, interesting about being Latino, going back to what you were saying, right. They do make that distinction, that race and ethnicity. And like, I think Latino usually is the only box you can check in ethnicity. It's like you're either non-Hispanic or Hispanic. Do they say Hispanic at this point? I think we've been trying to move away from that term. I, so I was just at a conference where they were surveying like social media users and they kept using Hispanics and non-Hispanics to like give the results. So I don't, but that's irrelevant regardless to me. And I don't know if I'm maybe incorrect. I haven't last time I applied for college was a long time ago, but like race, there's all these options. Ethnicity always only have the latino box or like hispanic sorry hispanic or non-hispanic so it's it's wild that i guess latino hispanic whatever you want to call it we're the only ones in that other category so we can't like it's almost like we don't we're not racially identifying it's like an ethnicity and i'm just like then what are the definite like you know what i mean like it gets so confusing and i always found it really interesting that like we are one of the only we are the only of like we have a whole separate category just to say what we are. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's funny because people will be like, well, you're not like white. <laughs> it's like, I am, but I kind of get what you're saying. Cause it's like, you know, like I remember in high school, like I remember the first time I got called a spick and I was like, what? What? Yes. Oh yeah. And I remember I told my parents about it and my dad was like, I have not heard that word in maybe like 30 years. Sorry, first time? Yeah. Has it happened multiple? Um, It's probably happened, I mean, not like a bunch, but it's happened like maybe I could count it on my hands. Wow. See, yeah. that's, that's where the difference in where we grew up comes in because in Miami, that would never happen. I've never been, ever been called anything because I'm Latina. Really? Never, never, never. Also, one kid, oh, yeah, my brother also got checked at a hockey game once, and some kid told him to go back over the wall. Oh. Well, we're white, but that's obviously very prejudiced and biased. And it's like, what? I don't even know how to make sense of it. And I remember this one woman, like, one time at my internship, she was like, oh, like, 
you stay with your abuela when you come to the office? I was like, yeah, she just lives over the bridge. So I just stay with her. And then I come here and she's like, oh, you know, be careful with all the ice raids going on. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> and like, my abuela was so pissed. She's like, I know. Like, you're going to go to the office and you're going to take my driver's license and you're going to show her, like, my abuela has a license. My abuela came through the process. My abuela got the visa. She took the test. She's a citizen. Oh, uh, like, we can talk about the older generations. I, I mean, like, yeah, like, they're very very competitive as well in my family we don't talk about the struggle and even being armenian you know my grandparents great-grandparents escaped the armenian genocide Mm -hmm. so that is talked about a lot in the armenian community in the armenian struggle like my dad has told me a lot like your grand your great-grandfather was a janitor when he arrived to the united states as an immigrant escaping the armenian genocide when he was a professor in armenia so like it's talked about a lot in the armenian culture but my my Mexican side, if there was any struggle, like we don't freaking talk about it. That's so interesting. Wow, I guess that may that is so interesting to me because I feel like the struggle is talked about all the time. Because I mean, in Cuba, my parent family was poor. In Brazil, my mom grew up super poor. But I think like the struggle that's often talked about is like more so what they left. And like, I remember something you were saying, you, how you go back to Mexico city a lot to see your family. Like most of like my immediate family, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, like they're pretty much all here. So like, we don't, there's no need for us like to be going back and visiting. Also, I've like never been to Brazil, which is a whole other thing, which is really funny because people are like, you've been to Cuba, which is the hardest country in the world to get to, (laughs) but you've never been to Brazil. And I'm like, correct. Because Brazil is a long flight away. (laughs) Well, yeah. And, but like, it's interesting because I think for me, like, okay, yes, America, we have our problems, as we know, like, things could be better, uh-huh. to say the least, like, yeah. you know, like, definitely wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to say, like, whatever, but I think because, like, because I know what the alternative is, alternative is I don't think I've ever taken for granted, like, my life here and, like, what I have here, and even, like, Having been to Cuba, I went right after the 2016 election, which, like, you know, was in a certain mindset being like, oh, shit, what's going to happen to us? And I remember <laughs> I went after the election, and I was like, you know what? Like, And seeing how my family in Cuba lived and, like, what life is like there, I was like, even on our worst, like, my worst day, I will have, like, air conditioning. I will have a bed to go, like, an, my own bed that I don't have to share with someone else. Like, I will have running water. Yeah. Like, and it's, I talk, it's like sometimes a struggle to talk to like my, my like fifth generation American friends because I feel like you don't get it. Like they, I remember in college just feeling like they, they, I don't know, like if they would like phone in and like, they'll be like, I'll just take the C, like I just need to pass. He'd be like, okay, that's fine. But like, I can't just do that because like something I think that was just, like I said earlier, was so insulting to us was like, we put you on third base we were born in the parking lot. We put you on third base. You better make a home You run. have to make it to home plate. Yeah. So like all the time, and it's like that pressure to like always like, you know, live up to that. It's a lot of pressure and it's yeah. like a lot to feel. But I think too, like what you're talking about, like the competitiveness with our community and like how Cubans especially like talk about the struggle. You know, I think at least like hearing what my grandparents went through and like, what some of my aunts and uncles went through just like 50 years ago, even some stories like 30 years ago in the nineties, like 
I have an uncle who like broke was part of the group that like broke into the Peruvian embassy and just like sat there for days without food, like waiting for a visa just to get out. I have an uncle who like lied and said he was gay so that he'd be exiled. Um, like when my abuela left and got on the plane, she went to say goodbye to her mom and the guard was like, if you turn around, you're staying. So she just like got on the plane, not knowing if she was ever going to see her mom again. My abuelo, when he got here, like he went back on a boat to try and like bring my abuela's family over. And even like when he, when I went to Cuba, he made me sit on the steps of like his childhood home. And I was like 18 when I was with him and he was like, sit on the steps. He goes, you know, when I was your age, I watched the Russians like come running through the country and like they had these guns and these fancy boots and I had never seen anything like that before. And I remember being really scared and not knowing what was going to happen. And then two weeks later, my dad was like, let's go. We're getting on a plane, which is like terrifying. Like, and here I am like sobbing in Whole Foods because I can't decide between (laughs) oat milk or like skim, which is like so ridiculous. But no, I, I know. And I have a question for you actually. Yeah as a Cuban American, do you feel like they, your family's made you feel guilty for being born now and not, yeah, Yeah, right. Now? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, do they, do you, do you ever feel like, I feel like you touched on it. Do you ever feel bad that you don't have to go through what they went through? Wait, that's such a good question. They never make me feel bad. Okay. I feel bad. Got it. And I've talked about this in therapy. Um, (laughs) I said to my therapist, like, I refuse, like, when I moved to New York, I didn't have a job. And I, like, I didn't have a bed. And my parents were like, we will give you a hundred dollars to go buy a bed frame on Craigslist. And I was like, no, I, like, I refused. And, like, and they were like, why do you refuse? And I was talking about this with my therapist. And I was like, because they struggled, I refuse to be that like person who gets mommy and daddy's a hundred dollars. Okay. Which is like silly because if they like want to, ha- it's like silly, but it's also like I refuse to be that person who like gets money from mommy and daddy. No, but that I think that makes sense. And I again, like I'm not Cuban or Venezuelan, so I can't talk on it. But I think a lot of my Cuban friends feel similarly to you. Yeah. Where there is, and it, obviously no one's doing it on purpose, but there is this almost like generational guilt where you're like, holy shit, like my grandparents like got ripped from this country mm-hmm. with nothing. And like here I am, you know, complaining about this and that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just wanted to ask you because I think it's, growing up in Miami with so many Cuban friends and just, you know, and I would go over to their house and their Cuban abuelos would be there. Right. Like I barely know these people and they're telling me about the struggle. About, um, well, you know. like some of them have been, well, also I could talk about how so many Cubans need to unpack their trauma. <laughs> uh, like my abuelo one day was like, you know, I have a friend, he went to labor camp and we're like, Oh, he's like, yeah, they just dug a hole for him and threw a cage over and he just like ate there and shit there. And we were like, oh okay i mean it's 5 p.m on a tuesday yeah like maybe we should maybe we should not talk about this now or maybe you should like see someone to like (laughs) talk about this but even like my like even like my uncle when he left like the government essentially even my great grand when my abuela left um the government kind of knows once your family like people you know start to leave like they'll come after you so like when my abuela left they went and they like jumped my great grandpa um, who died. He died like two or three years ago, but they would, they like went and jumped him. 
And even my uncle, like his mom was like an old lady in her house. And when they found out my uncle left, they went and broke her nose. So it's just like insanity. And I tell people these stories, like I'll tell my friends who like grew up here, these stories like, Oh my gosh, how long ago was this? And I'm like 30 years ago. Like, so, and even like, it's so frustrating too, because I think the biggest frustration we as Cuban Americans have is like, when like everything was happening with like Patria y Vida movement, like for those of you who don't know, it was like the whole like anti-communist protests and like people were just saying like, we want freedom of speech. We want like what the government has, which is food and medicine because the government miraculously has it, but the people don't. The tourists, it's all in all the tourist stores, but the people don't have it. And like people just wanted like literally freedom, like basic human rights of like being able to say what you want and not go to jail, being able to like watch a TV show that is not banned or like controlled by the government. And I remember when it was going on, like all these kids from my college, I went to a really small liberal arts school. It was like a bunch of them being like, this is about the embargo, like open up the embargo. And I'd be like, okay. And I never responded to this stuff, but it was like something I was so passionate about that I was like, hey, this actually isn't about that. Yeah, the embargo is really stupid, but this isn't about an embargo. This is about, you know, freedom. Like gay people didn't deserve to go to labor camps or be executed. Journalists didn't deserve that. Like the government shouldn't be controlling all the newspapers. And they'd be like, no, like this is about the embargo. And like, it was just, it's just so ignorant because it's like, these are people who are activists and like social justice warriors. And it's like, well, practice what you preach and follow through. Like a dictatorship is okay if it's, like in a far, far left-wing dictatorship, like that's okay. And this girl I know went to Cuba and literally posted a picture of like Fidel and like Patria Muerte, which literally means homeland or death, which is like the communist party in Cuba's like slogan. So I'm like, you're literally standing there like supporting someone who murdered and killed people and took away all their rights. And it's like, these people feel the need like, like it's almost like you are edu- you think you're telling me that like they went so far left that they're like off the deep end but it's yeah. like you're educating me on like what everyone went through like it makes no sense to me yeah. i don't know if you've seen like experienced that with like mexican culture or being like the armenian genocide even like yeah. people telling you what it was about when you're like no that's not i mean i don't know if i have a sim like if i can you know have a parallel example to that just because like first of all the armenian genocide like uh, at least in my life, uh, like nobody knows about it. <laughs> right. Like a lot of people. I mean, Kim Kardashian did go and put flowers no, she, down. She did. Snaps for her. Snaps for her, Kim. Thanks, Queen Kim. <laughs> um, like nobody really knows about the Armenian genocide outside of the like a lot of the Armenian community. I mean, they know about it, but it's not like a thing. Like the and again, like maybe my perception is skewed because I grew up Latino with so many Cubans. Like the Cuba thing is like a thing in my life. Yeah, more so than the Armenian genocide, which is crazy because I'm actually Armenian. When I say I'm Cuban, sometimes Latinos are like, oh, because it's like that stereotype of like a Cuban Trump supporter, which I'm not. <laughs> but it's like then when I tell a cute, like when I, you know, maybe if it's like an old school, you know, I don't want to generalize the whole Cuban American population, but like if it's like an old school Cuban guy talking to me and he like, finds out i have liberal ideologies it's like oh man you don't even you uh, you don't even know and i'm like no i do but it's just like i it's like even with the patria vida movement it was like well if you support patria vida then you're a trump supporter and it's like 
what it's like i support freedom of speech like yeah. i support like lgbt rights like those are liberal ideologies uh, and, yeah i mean i could that's a whole i go on about that but i know we're like cutting close on time but something i did want to touch on as well is like we were talking about speaking spanish with people speaking spanish just in general yeah but i think what's I have this very vivid memory of like going to Yankee Stadium with my dad and my abuelo and my brothers and the parking attendant was Dominican or he was, I mean, it was Bronx. He's probably Dominican, Puerto Rican. And he was speaking English to my dad and my dad started talking to him in Spanish. And then they just started talking in Spanish. And I remember being a really little kid and being like, dad, why did you talk? And again, cultural differences. I grew up in the suburbs. My, I said, dad, why did you talk to him in Spanish? He speaks English. And my dad goes, always talk to them in Spanish, trust me. And like my entire life was like, okay, whatever. So like always, like if I heard someone had an accent or like I just recognized that like they were probably an immigrant to this country or Spanish was their preferred language, always speaking to them in Spanish. And that has never failed me, truthfully. Like working at the restaurants, like the cooks, like, oh, you didn't eat yet? Like here, I, I made a couple extra shrimp. Just like sneak some, don't tell the other servers. Like, oh, like, like, or even like, you know, I don't want to like, I don't want to make it sound like, uh, you know, all Latino people are like in the kitchen or dishwasher <laughs> or whatever. But like in my experience working yeah. at the restaurants, a lot of them just happen to be so. And like yeah. this cute, oh my gosh, this cute little Colombian woman, Julie, I used to work with her all the time. I would like walk in the back with like all these plates and stuff. And she's like, déjalo mi amor, like I'll clean it, I'll clean Aww. it. Like you, know, like you stop, you gotta go out there and be with the customers. And all the other servers was like, why does Julie, like Julie will bend over backwards for you. And it's like, because I, speak to her I speak like we speak the same language yeah like, I, I make her feel seen and it's, like I and even like um even when I've traveled to Latin America like going to Costa Rica or Colombia Cuba they will bend over backwards for you to help you like I remember I was on a flight back from Costa Rica and I was like hi I'm in the middle seat on a full row I don't want that and the man was like all right and he put me in like my own row right next to the window so I could scrawl out. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> but I'm so glad like my dad taught me that because I think it also just reminds me like, you know, like it reminds me of like, you know what? My abuelo had to work three jobs just to pay bills. Like my, his cash flow was always negative and he was having to borrow money from his kids, which is probably like not the, proudest thing you've, you're doing in your life but like it just like reminds me of like okay you know what like I am where I am because of the sacrifices like my parents had to make and my grandparents had to make and it just like sort of brings me back to like okay check myself you are still part of this greater community that we're like we have you know I, we share a culture, we share a language. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting like very philosophical and it's not making any sense. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just to, I think just to summarize what you're saying and I feel the same way. Truly, I think it is a blessing to be Latino. Mm -hmm. I love it. And it is, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, again, I'm not a part, but I mean, I can speak maybe on Armenians, but Armenians are also really tight knit. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, just there's something like 12 Kardashians. Right. Now, right? <laughs> um, 
Armenians are really um, tight knit, and there's a lot of similarities between Latino culture and Armenian culture. But I have to say, being Latino is like incredible because, as you were saying with the example, with speaking Spanish to like the people you work with and them treating you a certain way, it's like there's that instant connection just by saying three words yeah. in the same language as somebody. And not only that, because, yeah, you can speak Armenian to another Armenian, but you know how many Latinos in the world, people who speak Spanish? A bajillion. Yeah. It's like the biggest tight-knit community ever. And now everyone wants to speak Spanish. Everyone wants to speak I remember, oh, remember, like, growing up when we were younger, it was like, why do you want to speak Spanish? Like, I just remember, like, that attitude of, like, no, like, there's no need to speak Spanish. Like we, we're, we're learning English. And now everyone and their mother wants to speak Spanish because yep. of like, look what's happening to the world. Like we have Encanto and we have Bad Bunny. As Bad Bunny says in his song, Ahora todos quieren ser Latinos, pero les faltan sazón. Literally. And it's so funny because I remember middle school, I mean, I grew, up, I grew up in Jersey, so it's like Italian central. And like everyone in my middle school was quote unquote Italian, but like fourth, fifth generation didn't, you know, didn't speak Italian or anything. And I remember wanting to be Italian so bad. <laughs> and I don't know why. I think Jersey Shore was also really popular at that time. So we like all wanted to be Italian. I'm like, I want to be Italian. Like, why wasn't I born Italian? And then maybe like by high school, it was like, oh, wait, no, this is better. Like, yeah. I'm from, my family's from an island in the caribbean that's sexy yeah <laughs> it like, is brazil i was like, like people would be like oh i wish i i wish it was like brazilian because then i'd get really tan i'm like oh I'm like brazilians cool. and people would always like giselle and like yeah people, i mean like now it's getting into the fetishization of latinos <laughs> but it's also like you know what like it's I, cool it's, yeah like my friend christian's always like we're just fucking sexy people i like Maybe that's not politically correct, but, like, I just think we're fucking sexy people. I mean, listen, like, probably isn't, but I will say, um, out of, you know, all the guys that I've dated, they've all loved the fact that I'm Latina, which, mm. again, fetishization of Latina women, but, you know, capitalize on it. I'm fine with it until they hit with the I poppy and then I'm out. Uh, you know, I think fine line between stereotype and... and and on that note, I think that's a great place to wrap up. We covered a lot. Yeah, <laughs> we talked about a lot. Down to like, oh yeah, we've been talking for over an hour. Um, if anyone from our company is listening to this, we filmed this off the clock. No, this was before work. Yes, this was before work. A little, weekend. a little cafecito chat. A little cafecito chat. This was not filmed on the clock. Don't worry. Um, but thank you so much for coming. So great talking to you. It was so great to hear about your experience and the family background. Hopefully everyone learned something. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully other Latinos of all different backgrounds and stuff can relate or have their own opinion or can join the conversation. Yeah. I think it's a great place to wrap up. Amazing. Right. Until next time. Hasta luego. Ciao. 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 <laughs> Thank you so, 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 so much for tuning into the podcast this week. Thank you for making sure my mom isn't the only one who tuned in. If you like this podcast, please be sure to leave a review and follow and share with all your friends. Until next time, everyone. Ciao, ciao.